Welcome back to Talking Troy. I'm your host, Anthony Greer, Deputy Sports Editor at Daily Children. I'm back with Taylor Mills, Sports Editor. Taylor, how's it going? I'm not a huge fan of Ohio State right now, and I think I'm with probably about 75% of the country. On that, we're recording this after the upsetting loss. So, yeah, happy bracket-busting month, everybody. Yeah, it only took about three hours <laughs> for my bracket to get busted. You know, I thought I was doing good until that. I guess that's what happens in March. But like we said, March Madness has started. We've got a lot to talk about. Men's basketball, obviously, is the main topic, but lots of other sports happening. Uh, but first, men's basketball, they will be playing against the Drake Bulldogs. Um, and I'm going to just point out Drake, if anyone knows, um, he's my favorite rapper. So I really hope USC... I want them to win, but I don't want them to demolish them because that'll that'll do, you know, it it, it will be harmful to the name Drake. You understand what I'm saying? So, you know. Do you I think that? Do you think go that? Ahead, go ahead. Do you think that Drake would join the Drake bandwagon if they upset USC? I haven't seen Drake in a while, honestly. He's not been on the sideline of basketball games. I know that for sure. But I think there's a possibility that we could see him jump on that bandwagon. Well, I hope not, cause I don't want I don't want them to beat USC. But that's gonna be my first Drake joke of the day. But we have to discuss this matchup. Obviously, the first round. This is USC's first tournament appearance since 2017, I believe. So it's gonna obviously it's important, especially with you know the team that they have and the potential. Uh, this is an interesting matchup. I thought Wichita State was gonna win. Wichita State was up by 10, by like 10 minutes left, and then they lost. So now it's Drake USC. And we'll dive into it, but I'll let you take it first, Taylor. And you said you have a story about Drake, so I'm really interested to see what it is. So please, go ahead. Yeah, so um, getting into the tournament, um, we have a couple press conferences with the USC team. Um, This is when, you know, back in on Monday, uh, before they even left for Indianapolis, and uh, Coach Enfield was asked, you know, what's your scouting report look like on Wichita State and Drake? And all he could tell us was that he knew Wichita was in Wichita and he didn't even know what state the Drake Bulldogs were from. Um, I think he guessed Ohio at one point um, and the correct answer is Iowa for all of you West Coast people wondering. Um, so that's, ju- that's the preparation that we got to see from the infield and squad. Um, but hopefully by now, a day before the game, they know a little bit more about the team. And um, you know to tell you about the Drake Bulldogs from what I saw last night. Um, It was Kling City. Uh, Not a lot of buckets really went down for these Bulldogs. Um, It was kind of sad to watch. It was an incredibly low scoring game. Um, But you're right. I really didn't think that the Drake Bulldogs could pull it off. Um, It was very last minute. Uh, But, you know, now they're here. And if all the cards are played right, USC should win. However, I'm knocking on my table because every time we say something should be easy for the Trojans on this podcast, it never is. And a 6v11 upset is completely plausible, especially with the context of Ohio State today. Um, So I think it should be a good game. Um, Again, March Madness is called March Madness because it is maddening. Um, So we'll see. Yeah, and you talked about that game. They just were, they were, clinking everything but they were really pesky and they weren't going away and that's a matchup nightmare in, in my opinion for USC because they always get into these scoring droughts 
And then once they're in the scoring droughts, you know, these teams that are pesky come back, teams like Colorado that don't really give up and they're tough. Um, but but Drake is, they were undefeated at one point. They were 18-0, and 0, and then now they ended up being 26-4. and 4. They kind of fell off. But I think at one point they were also ranked, might have been like the late 20s, something like that. But they're still a great. They're still a great team. You can't can't mess around, especially in March. Now they play really fast. They they're an up and down team. Um, they've got some great talent. This is one of my favorite names. Uh, probably not better than Jaime Hawkes, but it's up there. Shanquan Hemfield. It's just I hope I'm saying it right. And the other one is uh, even harder. Joseph Yasufu. <laughs> I I hope I said that right. But they're the two leading scorers of this this Drake Bulldogs team and they're really the engines they keep them going but you know outside of those two it's a little flat um in terms of scoring load and everything um and they're also one thing this is this is like makes me feel feel good about USC they're not a great free throw shooting team either 71% from the free throw line I think USC is like might be like 66 67 so I mean it's nice to play a team that's in that ballpark, but this is a still a really pesky team, and you know you can't you can't take them for granted like you said the Ohio State thing it's March you can't take them for granted, uh, but what do you think is is going to be important for USC to 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 take them down and what do you think they have to do? As much as I would love to say it happened to Mobley, Homie scored twenty six points in the Pac-12 tournament, and he still couldn't carry them past the semifinals. Um, so it's going to have to be all four cylinders running. Um, I'm looking at Taj Edey. I'm looking at Drew Peterson. I'm looking at the entire squad to really step up, especially his young his brother, Isaiah Mobley. Um, and really, that's going to be necessary. And I think people underestimate the fast-paced nature of March Madness. Um, playing a game every other day is incredibly exhausting. And um, you're right, you know, like the, this first one um, is the honestly the biggest hurdle. Um, if you come in with incredible momentum, then you really can coast to a sweet 16. Um, but that hasn't happened for Enfield. He hasn't gone past the second round. And you're right, it has been four years since this guy's seen the tournament. And so um, there might be a sense of unfinished business for USC, especially coming out, um, back from last year. But I, I mean, the only really people who were on that was um, Isaiah Mobley and then Ethan Anderson, and they really haven't been showing up in these games. Um, so honestly, it's going to be about the new faces of USC, understanding what this means. And I think, you know, we've seen a lot of new energy from this team. Um, and I think it's incredibly possible that they could emerge at, in the national conversation as a team that could go far. Um, I remember seeing Obama's bracket, and he had a lot of faith in USC. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know if the former president has always had the best bracket, but you know what? I'll take it as a vote of confidence. Yeah, that scared me a little bit. <laughs> I was like, maybe I should change my bracket. I don't want to. I don't know about this, but you make a really good point about that coming out and being energized, especially the first matchup. Drake has already played, so for them, this is like just another game. Well, I wouldn't say just another game, but they're already kind of they played their first game in March Madness. So that pressure is kind of off. And you're right. You know, they got to come out. They got to be energized. And we're looking at, obviously, the usual suspects uh, outside of Mobley. You know, Tajidi, Isaiah Mobley, uh, Drew Peterson, Ethan Anderson, whoever you... who Just just two or three people. Just let's step up, please. Because they're going to double Mobley for sure, probably, like, every time he touches the ball. So it's going to be important for them to, to find other people and get them more involved. 
Um, energy is, is the main key, and I would say uh, rebounding too is, is super important, especially now. In March Madness, the game kind of slows down. The energy is higher on the defensive end. If you don't control the boards, you're not really going to be winning the game. Um, and one thing, they've got to play their style. You know, they can't play up-tempo. Drake likes to push the ball, um, like I mentioned before. So it's going to be important for them to just play their style. You know, this they've been doing it the whole season. Just stick to it in March. Um, and hopefully it will be a, a run that, you know, Obama can predict. Um, but not to look ahead, but we are looking ahead. Uh, by the time we record next week, uh, the second round, If you, this is only if USC wins, but let's just say they win. Um, and then let's say that Kansas handles business. Then it would be USC-Kansas in the second round. And let's we'll, we'll preview the matchup real quick. But Kansas is having some COVID issues, obviously. Uh, they missed, I think they missed the Big 12. Or no, they did play in the Big 12 uh, tournament, but they had... They were without two of their main players, uh, David McCormack and uh, Jalen Wilson. Who all Both of them tested positive. Those are two of the top three scorers, uh, two of the best rebounders on the team. In terms of uh, McCormack, he's supposed to play uh, tomorrow or Saturday. And then Jalen Wilson, I think, was questionable. Or they, I don't know what they listed him, but he might end up be playing in the second round. So this is a pretty it's a formidable matchup for USC to get the upset a little bit and move in and squeeze into the Sweet 16. But can or Taylor, excuse me, you being from Kansas, what do you think is important and what are your thoughts on this matchup? I grew up a Jayhawk fan and let me tell you something, like there is nothing like the inside of Allen Fieldhouse when title's on the line. Um, I, I really enjoy, I love this program. It's a very respected program and um, Enfield talked about in the press conferences leading up to uh, today and tomorrow, um, that he actually kind of has a relationship with self and the fact that they actually worked for the same coach way back when, um, at OSU. And so, um, you know, it's a, it's a blue blood contender. Um, it's been quite a while since this team has actually seen the inside of the final four. Um, coach self tends to, I guess, run out of fuel when it comes to the elite eight. Uh, but you know, when it comes to actually getting there though, they, tend to do it pretty seamlessly. So um, it's actually a pretty veteran group. Um, majority of their top scorers are juniors and seniors. Um, I'm looking at Oshai Abachi, who is a guard that is a junior that is just an absolute beast. You have Marcus Garrett as well. And, um, you know, the really big story is that big um, junior, uh, David McCormack, um, who will possibly be back. Um, that guy is really key. And I think the big thing that, like, is really interesting about Kansas is they often um, reserve the big guy until to have an explosion in the postseason. Um, it's, it's a really interesting position to see how self handles that. Um, but in terms of USC, I think rebounding is going to be the big key. Um, this is a very fast paced offense. This is a big 12 offense, um, which that might not mean a lot to you. But to me, I'm seeing the things such as Texas. Um, I'm seeing competitors such as Baylor that they've had to face. And so they've really had that top national talent coming in here. And so they know how to set a pace for a game. I'm not sure USC knows how to do the same. Um, so I'm going into that possible matchup very skeptical. And I really think that's going to be a, cute, like a huge indicator um, for Mobley to see actually what type of talent he can handle. Um, and honestly, I think it's going to be an indicator for Enfield as well. Um, I think it's going to see if he can really keep this program at a national conversation level. 
Yeah, you really touched on all of them. It's a, it's a, it's a huge test, and it's a good opportunity, like you said, for Mobley to really, for us to see, you know, if he's really, you know, what everyone says he is in terms of, you know, the number two pick in the in the NBA draft. Obviously, the the biggest teams or the, you know, the most notable teams he's faced outside of the Pac-12 have been UConn and and BYU, and that was like very very early into the season. He's obviously grown now. He's he's more evolved as a player. He's more comfortable. Um, he's more experienced. So it might be a different thing, but like you, you touched upon it all. I mean, the Big Twelve is no joke, and Kansas, you can't, you just can't take them lightly, no matter what. Even if they have COVID issues, this is a fantastic ball club. They can still, they're number three seed for a reason. I think it's good. I think it's a really, really interesting matchup. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if UIC loses just because it's Kansas, and then they can, they can pull it out. Um, but you touched upon some of the key names, you know, David McCormack. Um, obviously, uh. I'm gonna try. Jeez, I'm gonna try to pronounce this name. Uh, the leading scorer. Osha Abachi. Yeah, there, Thank you. <laughs> he, he's he's an outstanding player. So he, he's another guard. So that'll probably be Tajidi's job. And you know, you touched upon it. Rebounding is gonna be extremely important. This is you know, Big Twelve teams are physical. They're more aggressive on the boards. It's gonna be very important to do that. They've got to be great on the defensive end. And one thing that we haven't really talked about, but. On the offensive end, they've got to find some consistency in terms of you know, some flow, rotating the ball, moving around, make sure that they're not falling in scoring droughts. If I was to say one key for a successful March Madness, please score every minute, every two minutes. I'll, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll be nice. Every two minutes. If they can do that, it'll be a successful tournament because every time they lose these damn games, it's because they go like three minutes, four minutes without scoring. And it's just like, please, man. So yeah, this is gonna be a it's a powerhouse matchup. It's a it's a huge matchup for Enfield really because if he's trying to prove his worth, prove that this is more than a you know a football school, then this you know this is this is the game to win. And obviously, if they go if they win this game and they play Iowa, um, whatever happens happens. You know I don't care at that point. I'll be satisfied. <laughs> but uh, do you have anything else to add about this before we go into updates? No, that's it. Just get ready for the ride, I guess. Yes, yeah, get ready. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting and we'll definitely, hopefully next time we talk on Talk and Troy, it'll be about Sweet 16 matchups and possibly an Elite Eight with Gonzaga, which I don't want to talk about at all. <laughs> but we must go into updates. Like we always say, there are more sports going on other than basketball. Now we go to Taylor. Taylor with more updates from sports. Yeah, let's go. Okay, so um, we're going to start with USC men's water polo, who is in the midst of the NCAA tournament themselves. Um, they are in the semifinals against Stanford tomorrow, so you should definitely check that out. The number one ranked women's water polo team um, faces Cal Berkeley tomorrow up north. Um, the Trojans are currently 6-0 on the season, and they are the top national contender. Um, and so really, like both programs are doing absolutely incredible right now. Um, and this weekend actually marks the kickoff of the 2021 outdoor season for track and field. Um, the Trojan Invitational is what usually starts it. And that runs today and tomorrow. And this is after um, they just finished the indoor track season where a slate of USC athletes were named All-Americans. So USC track and field is no joke. Um, we are an Olympic machine. So 
Yeah, really check them out. Um, and then look at uh, the number seven women's golf team. They're headed to Georgia um, to play in the UGA Invitational there. Um, currently, they're in third place after the first round today, and they tee off again tomorrow morning. Um, one key player to look out for is senior Allison Corpas, who was the Pac-12 Player of the Month. Um, she's one of the most impressive golf players on the West Coast with two tournament wins under her belt this season. Um, an incredible player to watch um, throughout the 18 holes. And then on men's golf, they're in Tucson, Arizona, playing at the NIT tournament. Um, it's a really tough field where they play the likes of Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Miami, and Illinois. And so that's a really big stage that they're on, and we'll see what they can come up with. Awesome. Thank you, Taylor. Yeah, so many sports going on. And definitely just please check out track and field. I mean, like you said, Olympic machine. I mean, they're all amazing, amazing athletes. But now I will dive in to the rest. We'll start with women's soccer. Who, uh, you know, they had a really impressive performance against UCLA after back-to-back losses to Utah and Colorado. They drew 2-2 two to two against the number two ranked Bruins. Outstanding performance. Uh, they'll face uh, Arizona next Friday. And we go to beach volleyball. The dominant beach volleyball, 9-0, and haven't lost. They swept uh, Cal State Bakersfield for their seventh sweep of the season. They're just destroying everyone. Seven sweep, and they've only played nine games. So, I mean, I can't do quick math, but seven out of nine, pull out a calculator, that's a pretty high percentage. And then um, they're actually going to be starting Pac-12 play next weekend, too. And then lacrosse, one of my favorites. Uh, they lost to Arizona State. Friday, but they will be playing Colorado and Fresno State next week. Another exciting uh, week for them. And then women's tennis, they're in the midst of Pac-12 play. So they just beat Colorado. At least one of our sports is freaking beating Colorado. Oh, my God. Anyways, <laughs> they beat Colorado 4-0. And they'll be playing Utah and Oregon uh, this upcoming week. And then women's volleyball... They lost to Washington. Remember, this was after they had the COVID pause. They came back. They lost two games to Washington. Now they have to play UCLA this weekend. A nice little tune-up. And then we'll go to men's volleyball, who's having a tough season. They, I think they beat. They lost their first against Concordia. They won the other one. And then they lost to Grand Canyon University. I didn't even know Grand Canyon had a team. <laughs> and they lost. But uh, it's all right. They're, um, th- this week, they'll be playing against Stanford in, in a two-game series. So... Hopefully, things get better. And then last but not least, it is rowing. I, I This is just revolutionary. But they played in February. I think it was late February. And now they'll be playing again at the San Diego State. Oh, no. They'll be playing against San Diego State. And they'll be playing against UCLA next weekend. So rowing. If you know what I mean by rowing. Have you ever... Is the verb like... Wait, is the verb like rowing? A road? Dude, I don't know. We don't, we don't row in Kansas. We don't yeah. have that. yeah good point good point i don't know why i asked that question but anyways rowing uh next saturday against san diego state and then ucla the day after please please make sure to check out every single sport on campus it's not just basketball it's not just football please 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 check them out and that is all we have on this edition of Talking Troy. Please make sure to follow us on Twitter at DT underscore sports. Make sure to check out our awesome work, dailychosen.com slash sports. And we'll see you next week. Hopefully to preview some Sweet 16 men's basketball matchup. Thank you for listening.